Hello, hello everyone. It's scriptwriter Steve and today is Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. And you know what that means? It is Wedding Wednesdays. And here on Barbecue to Movies, we're not talking about barbecue. We're not talking about movies. We are not talking about politics. We are only talking about weddings and that's it. So I got a really good show for you today. I hope you guys hang on there. Um, I will be talking about bouquets and flowers. And then we're going to segue into how to choose a really good wedding vendor. And that should, uh, by that time, you should be a little bored with, bored with me, so I'll probably end things around there. So hold on real tight. I got the bills to pay, usually, you know, so I got to run that ad, right? And I'll be right back. Got to pay the bills. All righty, I am back, and I hope you're back. Hope that commercial wasn't too boring for you, but you know, I gotta make some money somehow, right? All right, so I'm ready to get started talking about the bouquets and flowers and wedding planning and all the goods and the bads of everything. But before I do that, I just wanna, like, I have a story to tell you, a um, real quick story. So I had a, I have a friend of mine, um, she's a writer like I am, she's a screenwriter, 84 years old extremely talented screenwriter um and she worked for she was in charge of the mgm story department and uh, she was telling me about her wedding uh when she was younger and she got married to this dude and um yeah, she told me, oh, she had all of these. Everyone just volunteered their services because, you know, you work in the movie industry. Everyone works in production. So they hired this really good, you know, photographer. But they didn't really hire it. That was their wedding gift. And um, this guy said he's going to do such a great job, such a great job. So they're shooting, shooting, shooting for the during the wedding. And then when they got to their, their second location, he looked in his film camera and he said, oh, my God, I didn't put any film in my, in my camera. So they, they didn't get one photo from their entire wedding. Can you imagine that? Oh my God, that's horrible. Um, when I used to shoot on film, that was one of the big, big things for me. I was like, oh, make sure there's film in the camera because the film camera would just keep going. And guess what? You know, in a digital camera, it'll keep shooting too. Um, they have some fail safes on there, but I, I've seen some new DSLRs. You can shoot without a memory card in there, and it'll, it'll just keep going. Um, I don't know why they have that feature on there where it doesn't do a couple, like a warning beep or something. I remember I was on a wedding, and we were there just to provide the minister and the flowers. And I, you know, I show up for all my weddings, no matter what. Even if it's just a minister or a wedding singer, I will show up just to make sure everything runs smoothly. And... Um, and this really, really arrogant SOB photographer, he was there and he pulled up his BMW and he's shooting, shooting, shooting. And his memory cards were full. And for some reason, I think there was some, I think there was something wrong with his camera and it didn't record one photo of the entire wedding. And, uh, I mean, I felt bad for the couple, but this guy was a son of a bitch too. I mean, he, he was not a nice guy. And uh, so I'm not sure what happened to him because this guy, he looked like he charged a lot because he pulled up in a really nice BMW and he was out there shooting he, and he was being a jerk to like a, uh, all of our, he was being a jerk to the minister, he was being a jerk to our wedding singer. It was bad. Okay. I just needed to get those stories out there. All right. So let's talk about bouquets and flowers and um, these are specific to Hawaii. Um, so when I talk about bouquets and flowers, I'm not talking about, bu about bouquets and flowers for the entire United States or, or Mexico or Canada or anywhere else. These are specifically here on Hawaii, specifically, okay? So we're going to talk any, everything about that. So here in Hawaii, 
we have a, a flower lei. That's a necklace. So it's a necklace of flowers, and we call it a lei, L-E-I. And, um, you know, you know, if you travel to Hawaii, you probably got one when you got off the airplane. Um, now, there's different versions of leis, and we used a lot of them for weddings. And I'll, I'll kind of march you through all the different ones here. So the first one that you'll probably run into is the generic purple orchid lei. Uh, these are the ones that you get at the luau's. Um, they're available at supermarkets. Um, they're great. They're, they run about $10 a piece. All right. But these are the ones that you'll get when you get off the, the, um, the airplane sometimes. And if you hire the right service, they'll give you a lay. And, um, they last a long time. They're really, really great. Um, so a lot of my couples who are renewing their vows, sometimes when the lays, you know, are not that, they don't want the expensive lay, um, then they'll get these. Now, <laughs> Funny thing, these, these generic purple orchids, even though I say they're generic, they're, they still look really great. They don't have that unique of a smell. Um, and, that, and that's also a very good thing. So I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they'll last a long time. So when you get a nice generic purple orchid, it'll probably last you for your entire, you know, um, uh, I guess stay in Hawaii. It'll kind of wither over a couple of days, but the next day it'll, it'll look pretty good. And the whole night it'll look really, really good. Um, the next really, really, um, uh, popular type of lay to get there is, is the plumeria lay. Um, those are the frangipine flowers. Um, you know, the, they're, I think you've seen them before. You know, those plumeria things. They're yellow, white, some are pink, some are pink and yellow. Um, they're really not very hard to get. But the problem is that, um, they don't last very long. Um, see, they, these, um, Plumerias or frangipines, right? Frangipines. They uh, they're they grow in trees. So you, so the florist, they'll pluck them from the tree, and then they'll stick a you know they'll stick a um a needle up its butt, right, and pull it through the other side, and you're basically torturing the flower. You're pulling it from the from the, you know from the tree all the nutrition, and it starts to turn brown within. I would say about a couple hours of like pulling it from the tree. So if you order these plumeria lays, which look great when you buy them and they're, they're in the refrigerator, a lot of times by the time they get transported to the site of your wedding, they're already turning brown on the edges. And then during the photo shoot, they get browner and browner and browner. And it's not very good. So they, while they look good, now you've seen them in some photos for some, like, you know, again, some tourist magazines. These are fresh pick flowers. Now you'll find plumeria trees yeah, everywhere. They're everywhere. They're either they, they kind of grow like I wouldn't say weeds, but they huh, let's see. I, I mean I've seen them at like a lot of hotels, resorts. They're right there. Um they even have them on the resort um property and the employees will pick them and they'll put the put a um a handful of them on the front counter where the women can just put one inside of their ear. So and by the way, when you wear these, it's very much if you're single, the flower goes on the right, and the and if you're not single, the flower goes on your left. So if you're wearing it in, if you're wearing, if you're married and you're wearing it in your right, and you're wondering why all the guys are hitting on you, you're wearing the flower on the wrong side. Okay, so it's just like your ring, your your wedding ring. You got got to wear it on your left side, right? Not not the right. Okay, rule of thumb. So uh, I don't really recommend the plumeria lays for the wedding. Um, and if you have, if you're on a resort though, you can go pick a flower from the, from the trees out there, or they may have it at the front counter and put it in your hair. And it's just like, you know, tucking a pencil behind your ear. That's how you wear it. It's very, very simple, extremely simple. And that's how they do it in the photos. And that's how, you know, it may fall out, may fall, you know, there, but that's how everyone, everyone does it. You know, usually it stays in pretty good. It stays in okay. 
Okay, so the next one up, um, Primaria Lays, again, from my opinion, no go. The next one is uh, um, the White Ginger Lay. Um, so the White Ginger Lay, it's, it's very cheap. Um, sometimes it's cheaper than the Orchid Lay, um, but it's about eight, about eight, twelve dollars a piece sometimes. But they're really, really good, and they last a long time. And they, they come in nice white colors. Sometimes a little, a little off white, a little yellowish to themselves. But when they start to die, you really can't tell. They'll wither. They won't turn brown. So that's the really great thing about it. So even if you, even if it starts dying on your, during the photo shoot, um, you know, it'll still like hold itself. It'll still be nice to photograph. Um, personally, I like to use for my company, um, which is Dream Wedding Hawaii. Uh, I like to use what they call a Micronesian, um, uh, orchid lay. I mean, Micronesian ginger lay. Sometimes they use purple orchids or sometimes they use rose petals. But it's just the way, the Micronesian is not made in Micronesia. It's just the way it's woven. And it's not a very expensive lay. It's around, you know, again, 35 to $40. And that's not expensive for a lay, trust me. Um, uh, but that it looks really nice and it complements the neckline really, really well. And it lasts a long time. So it'll last, um, these white ginger, uh, Micronesian orchid lays, um, they'll last an entire time. Uh, I guess you're, you're doing the entire trip. It'll last that long and you can wear it every single day. And they smell pretty good. They, re they really, really smell pretty good. Um, so the last one out there is, um, the more expensive creative lays. Now these lays are, they're very intricate and they use all different flowers. Now, almost every flower shop out there, every lay shop, they have their own specialty creative lays. And, um, it's really hard for me to describe over the podcast. It's just easier for me to show a photo, right? Um, but unfortunately, I can't do the photo thing, right? So, um, uh, you just, you just have to trust me. They're very intricate. So you, you the only way to see them is to go to the flower shop and get them. Now, to be honest, in your very honest opinion, if you want, really want to go down this route, you know, talk to your wedding planner and say, I'm kind of interested in these, the really expensive creative lace. Now they can get really expensive. They can get about $45 on, and on up. We're talking $50, $60. And, um, and, uh, because they just take a long time to make. Um, to me though, in my opinion, it's just my, again, my opinion, they're too fancy and too colorful, um, for, for bride and groom to use, um, especially a groom. You don't want a groom wearing a flowery lay. Um, it looks kind of feminine, to be honest, right? So, but the, the, the bride, it's, um, it takes away from the wedding dress because you have this like intricate lay and it doesn't look very nice. You know, you want a lay to complement the neckline. You want it to make the neckline look better, if anything. You don't want it to look, you know, something that's really out of place and these expensive creative lays they do look out of place. Um, they're best made, um, they're best worn for special occasions, not a wedding, but say, for example, like, uh, you know, um, you know, someone's birthday, we'll, we'll buy a, that expensive lay for someone's birthday, or maybe they're retiring or they're graduating or, or, or something like that. We'll buy this expensive lay and give it to them. Um, never usually for a wedding. Never, ever, ever. It's just, it, it just doesn't look good. Um, another, one of my favorite, um, I guess the lays for um, brides is uh, what is that called? Um, they're they're actually these, these small little flowers. I, you know, I forgot the name of those things, um, but you know, I have to come back. To, I'll come back to you. Hold on, I'm gonna put this on pause. I gotta Google that. Hold on a real quick second. Alrighty, I'm back. Yeah, my brain farted there, so I had to Google it. So I put you on pause, but it's. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't remember this. Uh, they're called pikaki. 
And Pekakis, um, they're just the jasmine flowers, uh, the jasmine um, thing. So the jasmine flowers. So they're, if you've seen them before, each flower is maybe the size of a big pearl. And they're, you know, strung together. And sometimes they're interwoven with um, a little small uh, roses, which make it really nice. They smell incredible. The problem is with these, they don't really last very long. But they, they'll last a day. But other than that, I think you'll, you'll have to get them fresh. So, so whoever, you, you're, when you buy it, make sure you get it fresh. Um, when, I, when I get it, if, if they're there, um, I will buy them really, really fresh. And you can tell when they're fresh when they're closed. So you don't want a pakaki or jasmine flower that is open. You don't want them to bloom. Once they're blooming, they're gonna they're gonna keep blooming, 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 and they'll die by the time your wedding goes on. Okay, so you want them kind of closed, and uh, they'll last for the day. So those are good. So, okay, so now onto the onto the guy, onto the dude. Um, most of the time, he does not get a flower lay. Sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't. But then most of the time, no. Uh, he gets what they call a miley lay. And that's spelled M-A-I-L-E and Lei. So there's um, three versions of the Miley Lei. The first two versions are made of a vine. And one is called a Cook and one is called a Hilo Miley Lei. And they're just um, named from the, the type of vine and where they're from. And the, the Cook Lei is a very, very leafy, leafy vine. Um, that's very, it's very thick. It's maybe about, hmm, sometimes about four inches, four and a half inches to five inches in diameter. That's how, that's how leafy this thing is. It can get that leafy. And, uh, for some reason, some locals, they really want, like, when they, when their kid graduates, oh, they would give me the thick cook, you know, lay, Miley lay. They want that thick one right there. It's really thick. It looks like a python around a guy's neck. Um, to me, it doesn't look good. Um, then there's a Hilo Miley lay, which is a thin vine. It's a thin vine. Now, both of these are vines. Okay. The Hilo Miley, Hilo Miley lay is very thin. And both of these are very fragile. And that's why I tend not to use them because, uh, you know, for me, for my wedding couples, I like to you know, have them tug and pull and things and everything. And sometimes we're running in the ocean and lo and behold, the Hilo Miley Lay or the Cook Miley Lay just breaks in half. I mean, even though the Cook Miley Lay, which looks very thick and powerful, it's very fragile. It's like a weak, weak, weak lay. It's weaker than the female lays. So where's the male part in that, right? So, so anyway, um, what I love love to use is the tea leaf Miley Lay. And this is not tea leaf, T-E-A, it's T-I leaf. Okay, so the tea leaf Miley Lay. And it's made out of tea leaves, not T-E-A, T-I. All right? And this tea leaf is braided and it's very strong. So this, and it also is great because it lasts forever. This thing it will last forever. And even better, it has historical value to it. So these tea leaf mylelays, um, and other than being ornamental, they were used as ropes back in the day. And they were so strong, they used them to pull canoes from island to island. Again, they didn't have regular rope like how we did. So they, they braided these tea leaves together and they made rope. So, you know, these last really, 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 really long. Um, now, I had a, had a couple... And um, they actually had their um, their tea leaf Miley Lay, and they lived in Florida. Now, Florida's pretty darn humid, right? And um, the, in the more humid areas, not like um, Arizona where it's really dry and hot, um, their tea leaf, I think what, six years later, their, their tea leaf Miley Lay, they hung it. What I, what I tell couples is to take that tea leaf Miley Lay 
and to hang it on one of the pictures that I take, one of the, and blow it up to 16 by 20 and just hang it over the frame. And hopefully it will dry really, really nice on there. And I say, and I say, well, it'll take maybe a, a little while to dry. Six years later, the tea leaf Miley lay for this Florida, for this Florida couple, it still didn't dry. Um, now, difference in Arizona, it dried out in about three months. So, so it's a big difference. It's really humid in, in, in Florida, apparently. I, I went there a couple of times. I bet some of you are from there, right? So where to get these? Um, now, if you book through a wedding company like mine, Dream Weddings Hawaii, I keep plugging my company out there because, hey, you know, I'm a business guy, right? So, but if you get it, get it through a wedding company. Um, I recommend it actually going through a wedding company, but this is where you should get most of your lace. Um, now you can, you can, can, you can get these lower versions, the orchid lace. Um, you can get them through supermarkets. Um, you can even get some a little higher than the orchid lace. I've seen them, but you'll pay pretty high price for them. I've seen these orchid lace. Um, go for so so I charge about ten dollars, you know. Like I I I I put in a little profit on top of there for my like a couple bucks of profit, make about two to three dollars per profit. So my cost for them are about you know six dollars to seven dollars depending on the season, and I'll charge anywhere between nine to ten dollars for it. Um, I've seen it on you know at Walmart for about twelve to fifteen dollars for a single orchid lay. I mean it, that's expensive, you know. There so I'm I'm selling mine cheaper than cheaper than Walmart. Uh, now I've seen wedding companies that uh, wedding companies sell forty dollars for a single orchid lace. So if you're getting, if if they want to charge you forty dollars for a single or, purple orchid lace, screw them. You know, don't go to that wedding company. That's you know, so so be careful. You know, you know, see what kind of when you when you book with a wedding company and they say the lays are included in the package. Uh, you know, ask them what lays you're gonna get. And some of these bastards. They like to say, well, you're gonna get the, they're gonna get the cheap orchid lace, but then at the end of the ceremony, you give it back because they're gonna use it for the next ceremony. Yeah, yeah, those are cheap bastards. Yeah, <laughs> son of, son of a guns, man. So, um, so, uh, you know, you, you can get the lower versions at the supermarkets. You can even get them at Costco. Um, Walmart, um, and even some of the places around, like say if you're staying in Waikiki, there's some flower shops in there you can get them to there. Um, if you want to get them directly from the lace shops, uh, you can, and it's really easy to find them. You just uh, simply use Google or Yelp, and you just you really type in you know the search engine lace shops and then the island or city you're going to, and you know they'll pop up there, and you you can find them. But I suggest getting them from your wedding company because you want your, and if the wedding company is honest and they're responsible, okay, the last, you know, you just want them to show up on your wedding day fresh. That's all you want. You don't want to be going to the flower stores, waiting in traffic. And a lot of these flower stores, like the ones that I go to in Chinatown, um, there's no parking down there. There's really, really no parking. So, you know, what we we had, we we do is we have our you know staff members. They go out there and jump out of the car and double park sometimes. And one guy's driving, one guy has to pick up for the flowers for the day for the day and everything like that. And then we make sure that you put it back in the cooler to make sure they're still good, and then run it back to the shop, put it in the refrigerator, and then make sure we make sure we have the right flowers that's before everyone heads out to the beach to do, to do their wedding. So, um, but then it's a little bit you know, you know, I think wedding couples have tried to do it themselves and they say, wow, where do we park? You know, they get they get parking tickets, they get pissed off, they can't find the place. A lot of one-way streets over there in Chinatown. Um, so not the funnest thing to do sometimes. 
So uh, and my, my opinion, again, is on your wedding day, you should just worry about, you know, looking good. You're getting your hair and makeup done and getting in the wedding dress. And then you and your family getting to the wedding location. And you wouldn't imagine how hard that is to do. Just getting, maybe not for you, but getting like five people into the limo because they keep looking at things. I mean, a shiny object on the ground to look at it. They want to take a photograph next to it. I don't know why. But then <laughs> it can take a family, like just a family of five, like 15 minutes to just to get from the, 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 the hotel room down to the limo. I mean, sometimes I'm there, I have to escort them. My limo driver has to escort them. Say, come on, come on, we got to get going, right? <laughs> Trust me, you don't believe me, it happens. It, you're going to wonder why, like, why did I invite all these people to my wedding? Okay. All right, so what are we going to do once we get these lays, right? Well, there's all different things we can do. So sometimes, some couples like to give the orchid lays, the cheap ones. Remember the cheap purple orchid ones? And uh, they like to give it to all their guests. So a lot of times, like, we can have a lay ceremony in the very, very beginning or during during the, the, um, during the, the, um, the actual wedding where we give the lays. The couples will call up every single guest and they, everyone gets a lay, that's really cool, isn't it? So we can we can incorporate that into the ceremony. It makes it pretty special, and um, or we can do it before. You know, we can give the lace before the ceremony to the guest. It's really up to you. Uh, again, you know, you, you folks are the boss. I'm just speaking for my wedding company and what we do. Um, some other wedding companies they may not be very flexible about that, but I like to incorporate it within the ceremony. I, ju I just think it's pretty cool. Um, so everyone, you know, arrives at the beach or the ceremony and then you, you, everyone, you know, after the bride and groom gets up there and the ceremony begins and then everyone starts getting, getting their lace, start call, calling people up. It does make the ceremony go on a little bit longer, but it's, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. So then the, again, father and mothers, right? They get nicer lays than everyone else. Okay. Don't forget about that. And the kids, if there's kids there, they get nicer lays than everyone else. Oh, got to back up here. Um, so there's there's other other type of lays to get to. There's like a the kukui nut lay for the for the boys. The young boys usually get kukui nut lays. These are about now there's the fake plastic ones and then there's the real ones. Sometimes you can't tell the difference because their their Chinese knockoffs are really good. Um but they're around like I think there could be around five to eight dollars a piece. Some of them have like designs on them, and some of them come in different colors too, which is really cool. Um and, uh, and then some will come with like actual like flowers around them. Those are pretty neat, neat too. I think those are around $15, $35. Um, and the, the girls, they can get puka shell lace. So these are made out of seashells. And we call puka is whole in Hawaii. And, um, so they're called puka shell lace. And, and they can get wristlets too. They're puka shell wristlet, wristlets. And you can give these out to the, the, you know, you can get out to the bridesmaids or the flower girls. Those are really nice too. Um, the good thing about this, the puka shell lays and these, these kukui nut lays is that they last forever. So again, we're giving out lays during the ceremony. Go back to the lay ceremony. So, um, the lay ceremony for the bride and groom now, I'm going back to the bride and groom. During the ceremony, um, the, the lay exchange happens after the ring ceremony. So when the, after the bride and groom, you know, do the ring thing, exchange rings. Now we're going to do the lay ceremony. So the minister will say something special about the lays, something very, very generic and everything like that, right? How special they are and everything like that. Every minister has their own thing. 
And then the bride will give, will, will lay a lay over the, the groom, which is the Miley lay, and, and then the, then kiss the, kiss the groom once on the cheek, not on the lips, right? And then the groom would do the same thing with the bride, right? So then a flower lay on there and kiss on, on each cheek, right? Not the lips. After that, um, sometimes the minister will tie off the mighty lay um, because an open lay, it represents fleeing love, right? It's not too good. Um, but <laughs> we kind of stopped doing that because I told him, you know, it doesn't look too good, you know, tight. A Miley Lay, even though it's open, it looks better open than closed. So we actually stopped closing it. And um, not many ministers do close it. And, uh, you know, you know, one of our Hawaiian ministers, yeah, we like to close it and all that. But then uh, we say, eh, it looks better when it's open. So so probably better to ha- leave it open for the photos. Um, now, now, if there's only one, now say, for example, the bride doesn't want to wear a lei, doesn't even want to use a purple orchid lei, because she, you know, she just doesn't want a lei. Uh, what we do is, uh, there's only one lei, the one is the male Miley lei, right? What we do is we perform like a Catholic type of rope ceremony where we kind of bind the hands together and then say a Hawaiian prayer over it. And, um, and then after we, we unbind it and then she takes the lei and puts it over the groom and it's pretty cool. So it's not really, Hawaiian per se, but it it feels Hawaiian. <laughs> you know, so we're we're kind of getting away with a lot of you know creative artistry here. Uh, don't worry, the minister's Hawaiian. He's the one who made it up, but it, I think it's pretty cool, right? By the way, just to tell let you know, a lot of the a lot of the native Hawaiians are Christians. Like after uh, King Kamehameha one, um, after King Kamehameha two and on, they were all Christians, all Christians. In fact, um, I think Queen Ka'ahumanu, uh, she banned, um, she got rid of kapu law. Uh, that was a very, very, uh, very um, bad type of law, like where women couldn't eat, like women, women couldn't dine, um, women couldn't dine at the dinner table with men. They couldn't touch, touch certain foods. Um, people couldn't go in certain areas. And uh, Queen Ka'ahumanu, which was uh, one of the uh, King Kamehameha's wives, he was a, he was a polygamist. Uh, when he died, she got rid of all of that. So she assumed, uh, you know, his son became King Kamehameha II, but then the mom had power over him, right? So she got rid of all those rules and she became a Christian and then she turned everything, you know, she made, she made a lot of Hawaiians worship Christianity and everything. And by doing that, she also got rid of Kapu Law, which was a very, you know, a very misogynistic, very sexist type of ruling up we actually had here in Hawaii. So if we didn't have get, didn't turn into Christians, um, <laughs> that kapula would be a very very bad thing. Trust me on that. Okay, got off on a tangent here. Sorry about that. Okay, so that's for the lays. That's for the lays. Now we're gonna go on to the bouquets. All right. So the bouquets. There's there's basically two types of bouquets out there. Um, one is called a hand tied, and the other is called a cascade. Now the hand tied. If you want to imagine that, if you're holding it to the side, it looks like a mushroom. Uh, I like to call it a half moon of flowers. And these are very difficult to make. Um, they can be very large, and I've seen some which are about one and a half foot in diameter. And again, the more flowers there are, the more expensive they are. Now, I don't like the big flowers. I really don't. <laughs> I don't like it when it's huge. I think it's like, I think it just... When you photograph that thing, you know, the first thing people say is like, wow, that's a big, that's a big bouquet of flowers because it looks huge. It looks really, really big. So, um, I really don't like it, but, um, 
I think the really good size is maybe about seven inches to eight inches in diameter. It's, it's really good, six and a half to eight inches. Um, and, um, and I'll get in more into why that later on. So, um, the cascade now is like a waterfall of flowers. These are like the old fashioned, you know, kind of bouquets you've seen like in prom shots and everything like that. They're just, they kind of just, you know, they're all stuck into the sponge and they spill over down. And these can go for maybe about, you know, they can spill over and be about, the bouquet can be about three feet long. It looks really nice and elegant. It's kind of old, old style fashion and all that. Um, and it's good. I like them. You know, I like them. Um, the bad thing about these though, is that they're very fragile because every you know, flower, they're kind of just stuffed into a, they're really stuffed into a, a sponge that you buy. And, you know, and then these can just fall out. I mean, they just fall out. And um, so if you're, if you're planning a lot of action shots or even throwing your bouquet, it, it won't survive. I mean, <laughs> these things will like fall out. You know, you're, you're running in the ocean. They're going to fall out. I mean, they're not going to all fall out at one time, but you're going to have to like, you know, if someone will fall into the water and you stick it back in. So just make sure that you know that, you know, you got to be a little, little giving with those things. Be a little, you handle them with care if you want them. Um, so let's, let's go back to about size again. So preference of size. So um, if you're a bigger bride, right, you need a bigger bouquet. All right. And if you're a smaller bride, you, you can get away with a smaller one. I'm just being very honest with you here. And, uh, but the bouquets will always appear larger in the pictures because they're always closer to the lens. Now, anything that's closer to the lens will always appear bigger. It's like when I take a selfie and my forehead is closer to the camera, so it looks really big. I already have a big forehead and then the selfie camera just makes it really, really, really big. So <laughs> that down angle doesn't work well for me, but that's the only angle that I guess works with the selfie camera. But um, again, that's the way it is. So that's why I don't like to have really big bouquets because if a bride is you know holding it in front of them, it's going to look bigger already. So a seven to eight inch one will look a little larger. You know, imagine a one and a half foot one in diameter. That is a huge, that is huge. It, it looks really big. He's blocking off like, you know, you could, if you're not careful, that bouquet can block off the entire, entire camera. Just ruin your composition. Okay. I'm just so, that right there is just my opinion. And it's really bad if you have a really skinny bride. We're talking like, you know, supermodel 5'11", size zero. And then she has this bouquet that's one and a half feet in diameter. Like, oh, you're in trouble. You're really, really in trouble. Just from a photographer's point of view. All right. So when you take the, when you get the bouquet, you're working with the florist. Um, you want, you know, choosing the look, hmm, you, it's easy to choose the, it's better to choose the look than to choose the flower type. Um, so here in Hawaii, we don't have as many flowers out there as on, the, as on the mainland. Okay. So every, most of our flowers, even a lot of our roses, they all have to be flown in. So be very flexible on the type of flower that you want because some flowers, um, you know, they won't be available here in Hawaii. Uh, some of them will not be able to be flown in because, you know, some of them have, have um, seeds in it, right? So you can't fly in with um, certain flowers because that seeds in it. We can't, they'll be considered any, an invasive species here in Hawaii. So, um, you know, when you're, when you have these flowers, just, you know, you just be a little flexible on the, on the flower type and just, concentrate on color and the color scheme, um, the look of the handle, uh, more than the type of flower. Um, for the most part, I would say about 90%, 99% of the time, you know, you can get the flower type that you want, but just be, you know, if 
you know, something hits the fan, right? And things happen on the wedding day where it just does. It just does. Um, you know, be a little flexible. So if the florist says, you know, we, you know, we had these roses that came in, the red roses that came in, but you know, when they came in, they started to wither, you know, and, uh, you know, if we, if we can go with, you know, a different type of red flower, that would be great and all that, right? And you can say, and then you guys can talk about which flowers you can go with. Um, to me, it works really best if you just have, um, if you have an idea of the flower that you want, email it to your wedding planner and to have the wedding planner work with the florist directly and then, and then have them, you know, that florist, you say, but they want, you want it to look pretty much like that and give them a little creative flexibility. And they'll like that because florists love to create, you know, they're just not machines as well. So just allow them to be a little bit, little bit more flexible, have a little fun with it. And you can, you know, cr- you know, you know, um, have them create something really nice for you. Now, florist, <laughs> now florist, uh, a lot of them, they don't like to take orders for just one bouquet. So if you're just planning to, if you're just planning to elope and you just want a bouquet, um, if you go approach a, a, a floral shop, more than likely they'll say, nah, it's okay. They want to take, you know, a wedding with like, you know, bridesmaids and everything. They want the big order. Um, so if you want just a single bouquet, a lot of times the wedding company is best to book with the, uh, you book your bouquet with the wedding company and the wedding company will deliver that bouquet for you because they have a, they have a contract. Like for me, I have a, I have an agreement with a florist that even though I'm just doing one, you know, one, I need one bouquet for that day. They'll create it for me because I have a relationship with them and they're really great about that. So, um, and again, you know, they, they would, they're okay with just making money off one bouquet from me. Now, that's basically it here. So um, now I haven't seen any ripoff technique techniques from florists. I really haven't. Uh, they're not like photographers or videographers or hotels that try to trick you into upsells and you know buying things that you don't need. Um, now you 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 know one rule of thumb: if you're gonna have, I'm gonna go backtrack a little here. You know, if you have a reception. Uh, the, the person who's primarily, primarily, you know, responsible for decorating everything usually is the florist, right? You have the florist and the rental company that handles most of, you know, all of the decoration. And the more flowers you have, the more expensive it's going to be. So if you want tons and tons and tons of flowers all around, it's just going to cost more money. So if you want like, you know, you know, millions of roses all around, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost tons and tons of money just to let you know. So don't think uh, you're, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get cheaper just because you order more, you know, more, more flowers and all that. Big receptions, more flowers, they cost a lot of money. I've seen five to $10,000 worth of flowers, you know, on some of these celebrity weddings where they just want tons and tons of flowers. I, I've seen $50,000 orders worth of flowers. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, but usually for the bride and groom, it's not that bad really not that bad, especially if you're just eloping. It's really cheap. Okay, so uh, on to, again, on to the uh, rip-off techniques. I really haven't found any from florists going to, and now we're going to go segue into our next segment here, which is about choosing vendors, all right? And uh, I'm going to take a break here, get some soda. I'll be right back, but then we'll get into it. We're going to start figuring out how to choose the right vendor for your Hawaii wedding. Um, it's not going to be a long segment, but I think it's be a be a very, very important one, all right? So I will be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Alrighty, alrighty, I am back and we are going to be talking about our last thing here on the on the list here, which is about vendors. Okay, and again, it's going to be specific to Hawaii, but I think this kind of applies to everyone out there. Um, now, you know, I, I've been in this business for about 20 plus years. Finding good vendors, it's really, really hard. I mean, even for myself, who is, um, you know, what, I, what I'm looking for are very reliable vendors who show up. And I think that's one of the, one of the scariest things. I, I don't want to scare you from, from doing um, a Hawaii wedding or any wedding period. But, you know, finding, you know, finding good wedding vendors, it's almost like finding good contractors for your house. It's very rare. It's, it's really tough because, um, you know, sometimes, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, there, there's some, you know, there's a lot of dishonest vendors out there. And um, it's just really hard to find some of them to be very responsible and just to show up on time. Um, just for, get, for some of them just to return your phone call. And uh, now luckily, you know, you know, through a lot of trial and error, I mean, you know, I've, I've been able to find a lot of great vendors, you know, and um, I work with a I work with a very stable team. And again, for for me, I have you know the vendors I have on call. They're like family to me, so uh, I can literally give them a text or anything. It can be it can be like four a.m. in the morning. It's four a.m. right now while I'm doing this, by the way. But I can you know, I can text my minister right now, and and I'll say I'll ask them, well, do you have you know tomorrow available? And they'll wake up and they'll say they'll check their schedule at four a.m. and they say, yeah, Steve, I can do it. So um, you know they're they're almost like a a, a doctor on call. Um, no, not all wedding ministers would do that. It, it's crazy. So, I mean, some ministers will, will like say, will get back to you after about a week or so. And, you know, the, the business has already passed, right? So, you know, it's, it's hard to find good vendors, all right? So don't be discouraged if you, if you really run into that, um, that pickle there, because I do too. And, uh, again, um, you know, don't, again, I just want to say, you know, I'm not trying to be negative here, but it, it, it is pretty discouraging sometimes when vendors don't, don't return your phone call. It's really frustrating. So anyway, so when, when you choose a, a vendor, the first thing I look for um, is really good, quick communication. Uh, if I send an email out, I want to get an email back right away. So I want fast communication, right? And I want a vendor who basically writes incomplete sentences to me when, you know, not a yes or no or anything like that, you know, and not a cut and not cut and paste automatic replies that they have on file. Um, you know, I want a correspondence that's very genuine and uni unique to the questions I am asking. I don't want automatic replies filled with links to go to another website. So sometimes you'll get that. If you fill in like a form on top of their website, you'll just get this generic thing going back and forth. And that's not good. I, I hate that. You know, you, you want to you know, you want you want to feel as though you're talking to someone real, and that person you can you kind of kind of um, feel their personality through their email that that you're getting back, and you want quick communication, all right? And you always want it; it should always be quick. Now, sometimes it may be slower, like for example, if they're out on the job and doing weddings, and it may be a little slower, like one or two two days delay. That's okay, right? But if it's always slow, when there's something up. And a lot of these vendors, by the way, um, you know, doing weddings, um, it's not their, it's not their full-time job. Some of them were, a lot of them were, you know, working in the restaurant industry. So, you know, again, they're, they're a photographer and they're working in the restaurant industry and this was their side hustle. 
So sometimes they'll have to be they'll have to reply, you know, between gigs, right? And they don't want to tell you the truth that they're actually a, a wedding, you know, they're you know they're working as a bartender somewhere, or they're working you know out there as a teacher somewhere. This is this is just their side hustle. Um, you know, a lot of them are not that honest about that. Um, for my company, we this is what we do full time. Um, but right now, because of COVID, I'm doing a lot of other stuff, like you know, working in the working in the entertainment industry. And uh, now, if I do go to work in the entertainment industry, my company though will always handle things for me because I'm just the owner. So anyway, um, let's see here. So now, I also think um, whoever your vendor is, they should be very cool to work with and easy to work with, fun, um, both serious and also laid back. Uh, I don't want someone who's stuck up, not fun to be around, especially on the wedding day. You know, there's so much crap that happens on a wedding day. Um, it's it's actually worse than working on a movie set. I I remember when I first got into this this industry. Um, you know, I came from working from television, where you have second takes, three takes, four, one million takes, right? And you know, you know, you know, um, cinematographers or videographers were saying, "Oh yeah, we can get that. We can get that taken a second time around." No, you can't. I mean, I would tell these guys who we contract out, these guys who worked on TV shows, no, one take, one take. You have one take. You got to be a one take Charlie, they always say, right? And you have to get this. No camera rehearsals, no, no people fitting in for the bride and groom, filling in for the bride and groom. You got to get the shot. And a lot of people in the entertainment industry, when they're pros, we're talking about seasoned cinematographers who just wanted to try to do this on the side. They were getting very stressed out because it's tough to do things in one take. So uh, again, you have all the stress going around, and you have these vendors who are trying to do their best, and caterers who are trying to do their best. And if they're not fun, if they can't handle pressure, then I don't, I don't want to work with them, and neither should you. All right. So make sure, and you can always find that you know when you first start to meet them, you know you can feel, you can feel it, fill it out. You know, say, yeah. This is a person who who I don't mind you know sharing sharing a laugh with on my wedding day, and uh, okay so now we're gonna go into good reviews all right now <laughs> Yelp we're talking about Yelp Better Business Bureau oh boy I have kind of mixed reviews on Yelp um, we're not mixed re- I'm gonna I'm, when I say that I'm reviewing Yelp uh, Yelp Yelp and Better Business Bureau and all of these other like you know kind of reviewing kind of things. They got to get their act together because, uh, you know, even for myself, like I've done, I think I've done about close to 20,000 weddings. I think I have about 50 reviews on Yelp. Not, not all my, not all of my, my, my couples leave, leave reviews, but, um, I think I have one bad review on there and I have a couple other, and I think I have two or three bad reviews on there, but those bad reviews are from people who are non-customers and, um, I can't take them down. Now I can take them down if I pay Yelp. Isn't that weird? You know, again, these people are are pretending not to be customers. Now, I know a lot of other uh, wedding vendors who have fake, who have fake brides out there, or just angry brides. Like, say, for example, if I feel it, you know, working with a working with a right vendor is also the same with working with a bad bride. So, you know, I've had man, I should do another story about that. I've had bridezillas, right? Tons of I had I had a bride who wanted me to move the sun. I had a bride who wanted me to get them drugs. Okay, could you imagine that? Now, I've had some people who just inquired with me, and they they were very rude to me. Um, I think there's one person who left a review. They wanted me to um, 
They wanted me to actually give them a discount. And they wanted me to give them a good discount because another company was you know, a lot cheaper than me. Well, I said, oh, I'm sorry, you have to go with the other company. And I didn't mean that in any condescending way, but then they wrote a bad review on me for Yelp as though they were, as though they were a customer, right? And, and they weren't a customer. I think they gave me a one-star review on there. Oh, man. And then I think I had a, another um, review from a guy. Now, when this guy was a customer, but he didn't book with us. His um, his sister booked with us, and they, they and they asked us to try to fit them in on a schedule that was very, 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 um, like, I think we did about 35 weddings in that one month, maybe even 50 weddings in that one month. It was crazy. And some days we're doing three weddings, and that day, that day, I think we did three or four weddings on that day. We had to fit them in because she asked us to. And then when it came to delivering his photos, we said, well, since you came in at the last end of the 60 weddings, you're going to get your wedding photos about, you know, about, you know, three months later. And he said, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's 100% A-OK. Next thing we know, he's calling every single day asking for his photos. Now, we got We said, you, you got to go to the, you, you know, you're at the end of the line. We told you this already. So, so then he writes this bad review on there. And by the way, you know, we didn't want to say anything too, but, you know, but I better not say it anyway, but, you know, he may get in trouble. But, you know, he, he was just being a butthead about things. Like we had, we had told him, we even told his sister who had paid for the wedding and booked the wedding, it wasn't him, that because we let him, you know, we, we agreed to do his wedding at the end of the 60 wedding queue, he would be, he would go, his wedding would be going at the end of that queue. And because we we're just so busy in that month, I think, you know, this is when it was 7707, um, that he would just actually have to go at the end. And, um, he was very upset about that. He wrote me a one star review, or I think it was two stars, then went down to one star. So again, like what I'm saying is that all these very good wedding vendors, you know, I'm, I'm a very good wedding vendor. We get bad reviews and we get bad reviews from, from very angry customers and sometimes, you know, and, and, um, some of them are real. Most, you know, some of them are real customers just angry and then a lot of them are not, you know, so it's, uh, you have to really, really take that with a, you know, grain of salt for every bad review that you have and also every good review because there's also fake good reviews. They'll have like their friends like, um, write fake good reviews for them and they didn't even book with them. Not at all. So though I I, mean, I know this one guy, he started his wedding company, and he had ten good reviews. He didn't even have one wedding yet, and he had ten good reviews because his friends wrote reviews for him. So you know, again, be very careful. Um, you know, really, you know, it, what I, what I try to what I, what I see is that if if the if there's a bad review out there, look for that company to reply. That reply is everything, right? How that company replies. Um, but look for trends. If, they're, if they have a lot of bad reviews and they all have the same thing over and over again, then you know that's, that company has a tendency to do this one thing, right? You're trying to read that psychology of that company. If you're, if, but if they have these good reviews, again, look at the trend. They always show up on time. They always do this. They always deliver things on time. They got a trend. So more than likely, you know, you know, there'll be a good company for you. But really take all of those reviews with a grain of salt because Yelp, Better Business Bureau, all those other guys, and there's some other ones too out there. I think the yellow, they have a yellow pages has a version of it too. Oh, the not, the not too. Those guys are just horrible. Um, the reviews. Like you, you can't believe all of them. You, you just, you just can't believe all of them. All right. So, ne so next thing here um, uh, about finding a good vendor. Um, 
they, to me, I think they should always answer their phone. If you call any time of day and uh, if you get a message on them, uh, they should return it rather quickly. They, sh- they shouldn't take a week to return it or a couple of days. Um, they should return it, you know, as soon as possible, right? If not, if not right, right after you called. Um, but they should always answer their phone. They shouldn't be hard to get on the phone. You know, some of these wedding vendors and even big, what, like we're talking like big hotel companies, it's hard to get their catering department on the phone. I don't understand. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for some of my couples who I say, hey, I'll tell them, hey, you know, go with this, this hotel. They're really great. And it's hard to get them on the phone. And there's, this is a reputable big company like that. So I, I just, it, it, it kind of pisses me off, you know? So, um, okay, so next one too. Um, now, again, if, 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 they, if any of these raise like red flags to you, you just say, you just walk. Don't be scared of walking away. Um, don't give money to a vendor you don't trust. It's very important that if you, if you don't trust that vendor and if there's red flags are coming up, don't think it'll get better once you get, once you give them your, their money because it'll only get worse and then you'll feel worse. All right. Okay. So, um, now another one, they should not fear doing a video conference. I don't know why some of them do. They, they fear doing a video conference. I don't know why, but um, I don't. Um, if they want to, you know, Skype or do a Facebook lo- Facebook conference or a Zoom call or anything that, you know, or or I can do a you know a a, a Facebook a Facebook uh, Messenger kind of live thing there, and uh, I can show them the property and everything. Why not? Right? Why like why do you fear doing that? Like uh, the only thing I can I, I can kind of say is that maybe they're not real maybe they're just a you know a fake company and there are some fake companies out there i mean there's some really fake companies out there i i, I remember when um man when, when we had, when we had this wedding permit thing that came up there uh this wedding permit for the beach permit thing at one time they were only going to allow you know a certain number of weddings on the beach at certain at certain times so there are these fake wedding companies that are popping up they were buying all of the wedding um, permits. So there's this wedding permit. And my, one of my friends actually ran this. Um, they, they bought all the permits out for like one of those big wedding days. We're talking like um, 8, 808, you know, August 8, 2008. And then he said, well, he said, well, I hold all the permits for this one location. And Steve, I'll sell it to you for $1,000 a piece. I said, whoa, what are you doing? You know, that's, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that, right? And, uh, and lo and behold, uh, you know, I think enough wedding vendors complained about it where the, the state of Hawaii said, no, we're going to make it unlimited wedding permits. So that was good. And <laughs> so, and then how much did they pay for these permits? Like $5, you know, $20 a piece, you know, a bunch of just ripoffs. But again, fake, fake wedding companies. They, <laughs> it's horrible. You know, where there's money to be made, you'll find scam artists. You, know, you just will. Okay. Uh, I feel that they should have a good website, um, a well-established online presence, um, one where their personality flows from that site. So if they, now some of these new wedding companies from, from the younger kids, uh, they just have Instagram accounts. And I think that's okay too. Um, the one thing again is that make sure that they're just, um, you know, their, their personality, you can see their personality and some reputation that comes from the site. You know, always take what they put online with a grain of salt. Um, a lot of times they're just like, you know, show the real pretty people and they show the nice pretty photos. Um, they won't show the people who are not photogenic and people, you know, they won't show every single wedding. You know, for me, when I always look for like, um, when I also look, look at portfolios, I always look for consistency 
this, I want the same thing over and over again because I know for a fact that person can do the same thing over and over again. It's like when, if you're going in for like a, a surgery, you want a person who's done the same thing over and over and over again has been very successful at it, right? You don't want a person who just freelances and just does it and has every single time you have a different result. You just don't. Okay, so last thing, last one. Um, I don't think they should have a long-ass contract to sign. Um, and, uh, you know, contracts, are, they're only meant to protect the vendor, not the client. Okay, so if, there, if they have, a, like, pages and pages and pages to sign, um, there's something up. That means they're protecting their ass. Uh, by law, the best way to actually protect yourself is just a simple invoice and receipt. Because then you're protected by, you know, usual, just regular consumer laws out there. And if you have a problem with, you know, this vendor, you can take, take them to, to small claims court and literally just use that invoice or that receipt to go to, you know, to make an argument in front of a judge. Um, you see that on Judge Judy or all those like court TV things, right? They just have a receipt. I paid for this. I didn't get that. It's really that simple. You don't need this long-ass contract. When you have a long-ass contract, what what the vendor is doing is they're protecting their ass. That's what they're doing. They're saying, oh, if this happens, that happens, then I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that. I, you know, I know this one person who has it very tricky, very, very tricky. They have in there that, oh, they'll appear um, in the contract. It says that they will appear on the day of their wedding, at your wedding. They will appear. Well, lo and behold, they do appear, but they're not working at your wedding. So if you hire this photographer or videographer out, yeah, they're going to show face and they'll be there, but they hired out like videographers from Craigslist, you know? No, you, you wanted that photographer, that videographer to do your wedding. And this is just BS. And I tell you what, a lot of photographers, they'll do this. They'll book like three or four weddings on the same day and they'll hire out photographers from, photographers from Craigslist. I mean, I, I have actually been one of those. I got, I got a call. I said, oh, you know, they said, oh, they're a triple book. Can you fill in for this one? And it was a nut. When I went there, the wedding couple was like, oh, where's so and so? And then that, and then uh, you know, we did the wedding. But, you know, and they liked the photos that I delivered. And, but they, they were kind of disappointed that that photographer, he only showed up just to show face. He only showed up just to say hi. He didn't show up to work. Isn't that a bunch of crap? That's a bunch of crap. So, um, and, I, and I'll end on this. You know, the contract, it's only as good as the person signing it. So if you're dealing with an asshole out there, he's going to be an asshole. He's going to rip you off on your wedding day. All right. So, again, how can you book, get a good vendor, a Hawaii vendor? <sighs> you know, it, it's tough. I mean, again, it's even tough for me. Um, you know, I've had so much bad experiences, you know, working with other wedding companies. Again, you know, I've had couples who just hired me out just for my photography. And I've been, I've been there, you know, where the, the, the wedding planner didn't show up. And then luckily I was there to plan everything. And, and then the, the couples were so grateful for me. They didn't pay me more. But, you know, again, I made everything run smoothly. And that wedding company... They didn't, they didn't even think anything was wrong. You know, they just said, okay, yeah. And they, they, I, I talked to the wedding company later on, and they said, no, they didn't pay for an on-site wedding planner on that day. I mean, but you know for a fact they're gonna, they're, you know, they would have been up the creek with no wedding planner. You let it go? You know, that's no class. Completely no class. So um, anyway, that's it for t- today, people. Uh, wow, it's a long podcast. I thought it was going to be short. 
I really did. I really did. Well, that's a wedding Wednesday for you. I just went off on a tangent. And I hope you got a lot of information here. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about next time. By the way, it's going to be Christmas on Friday. Is it Friday? I think it's Friday. I got to get some Christmas shopping done. All right. That's about it. Merry Christmas, people. And I will see you next Wednesday.